2020 changed a lot of things. It changed the way we think about remote working. It changed the way we manage our remote teams because we had to. It wasn't a want to or even a need to, it was we had to. You're listening to Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Burita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and doesn't create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Generational differences in the workplace is not a new concept, but with the ever-changing workplace due to the changes in the world and the changes of what generations are entering or exiting the workforce, or what generations are in management and what generations make up your workers, it's an ongoing analysis for business leaders. Today, we'll be talking about room for success and some of the challenges you may face. My guests are two friends in the business community and fellow podcasters. First, I have my name twin, a fellow Trisha, Trisha Stetzel. Trisha Stetzel's experience is both wide and diverse. She served our country for eight years in the U.S. Navy, worked 10 years in corporate America working for a global IT company, and established her first business 13 years ago. Trisha is a multi-business owner, podcaster, speaker, and educator, and partnering with her husband, Dennis, in their business coaching practice, Results Extreme Business Solutions. She specializes in working with small business owners on growth and exit strategies, industry group coaching, and building successful businesses with partners. Then her podcast partner in crime of their own podcast called Bridge the Gap is Colton Cockrell. Colton is a certified financial fiduciary and financial advisor for Sharon McKinley Group, LLC. His passion is working with people and assisting them in reaching their financial goals through fiduciary prudent investment advisory services and strategies. Colton is a graduate of the University of Houston Clear Lake with a degree in finance. And outside the office, he volunteers at Bay Area Church in the worship and youth ministries and enjoys golfing, hiking, and being outdoors. All three of us share an interest and have experience with the differences between generations when it comes to communication in the business world and workplace. So it made perfect sense to call on Trisha and Colton for this episode. I love this topic and I expect to explore it in more depth beyond this conversation and other episodes, but I really enjoyed my chat with these two. And so I hope you enjoy the Legal Skinny episode, The Generation Gap. 
Welcome to the Legal Skinny Podcast, Trisha and Colton. Thanks for having us. We're so excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us, Trisha Burita. Trisha B. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. Uh, this is the first time, of course, I've gotten to have a, another Trisha on. Uh, it spells her name exactly like me. So welcome, Trisha Stetzel. Thanks for having me name twin. <laughs> I'm in trouble today. <laughs> I'm in trouble, Colton. Colton's always jealous of our, our matching names. <laughs> he feels left out. <laughs> Trisha B, Trisha S. That's how we're going to roll with it today. All right. Is that network for you guys? Works for me. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's good. Okay. And on the questions, does do, do Trisha's always go first? Is that how this works? <laughs> I guess, yes. you, I guess you're biased. <laughs> okay. So uh, can you um, give each us a little bit of information about your background? Yeah, of course. I get to go first, right, Colton? Because <laughs> you're nanny. You're Trisha. All right. Yeah, I would, I would love to. Um, so Trisha, you probably noticed the initials after my name on the video STC, and that's about serving the community. So what I like to tell people um, in all of the jobs that I do is I serve the community right now uh, in my business coaching practice. I'm helping small business owners grow. And uh, 2020 was an amazing year for a lot of business owners and growth in that space. So I really appreciate you having me on today. And I'm super excited that you have Colton and I both on. We're going to have some fun. Yes, definitely. All right, Colton, give it to us. Okay. All right. I'll give you the, the cliff notes here. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a certified financial fiduciary, which is basically I'm a financial advisor uh, who's kind of taking the step to uh, be a fiduciary to my clients at all times, no matter what capacity I work in. Uh, and Trisha and I are here because we have our own podcast together, Bridge the Gap. Where we, um, you know, both being business professionals, being you know, different genders, um, being different ages, different generations. And there's so many difference, right? We decided, hey, why don't we put together a business podcast, come together, and we give our perspectives um, while we have individual guests, which Trisha B, you've had the pleasure of being on. He's doing so well with this different Trisha thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. I feel like we're just testing Colton here, having him on here and torturing him through this. But I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I, I did get to be a guest and, uh, and that's certainly one of the reasons I wanted to bring you guys on today. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated with the generational difference, uh, differences, especially in the workplace. And I think it's super cool. You guys started a podcast. So tell me, you already kind of said a little bit, but yeah, you know, tell my listeners a little bit more about exactly uh, what inspired you guys to get into this podcast and, and, and how's it been going? So I'll start. Uh, I actually got tapped on the shoulder from a mutual friend uh, almost two years ago, right, Colton? I think oh, about two years ago. And uh, our mutual friend said, hey, Colton's doing a podcast and I think you should be a part of it. And I said, podcast, what in the world would I do a podcast for? <laughs> so Colton and I got together and started having a conversation about his, his idea. And Colton, I'll let you take it from there because it really didn't come back to me until it was time to name the baby, <laughs> right? <laughs> so first off, I thought that um, I was too much energy um, to be in a podcast by myself. No, I'm totally kidding, Trisha. Uh, so really what happened was, you know, we, I, I had a lot, of, a lot of questions. Whenever I sit down with professionals and we talk, you know, I, I'm, I ask a lot of questions because I'm, I'm really curious about certain things in different industries. And so, oh, oh, wait a minute, I'll just interrupt there and attest to that. Uh, the coffee I had with you when we first met was overwhelming. And the I thought nobody could ask more questions than a lawyer. But no, Colton, you took it there. 
So I learned pretty quickly that <laughs> to get to where you want to be, you need to ask a lot of questions. So next time I'll preface uh, lunch or breakfast by saying, hey, Trisha B, we're going to have another breakfast. I'll, I'll max 10 questions, I promise. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure we have a limit. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a good time, by the way. We need to do it again. So yeah, basically what I thought was, hey, how cool would it be to have somebody else you know, in a different age bracket um, you know, who has different experiences than me? Uh, and really, that's when, again, our mutual friend, Jim, he connected Trisha and I, who've known each other, obviously, before he connected us. And we just kind of ran with it. And now, basically, the whole idea is interviewing individuals from different industries uh, and asking questions from our perspectives. So obviously, you know, someone who is almost 30, uh, who is starting their career. Well, thank you, know, seven, you Colton. I'm seven years. <laughs> and someone who is older than 30, uh, doesn't look like it, but older than 30, who uh, she is, she's had multiple careers. Uh, it's just a cool, different perspective. So that's really kind of what the idea is. Um, and again, I was being very delicate. Trisha Stetzel looks incredible for her age. <laughs> thank you, Colton. I, I think you're going to get in trouble before the end of this. I'm sure. I can I'm, tell. I'm not sure that I'm not sure where that was going either. But, well, and so when I talked about naming the baby, it was really about naming the show, right? Like that was a big deal for me. Trisha B was, you know, what are we going to call this thing? Um, and I don't know why that's important to me, but it is. And as Colton started to describe his idea to me, I, I fell in love with it. I thought it was amazing. What a great way to bring industry experts in to talk to everyone, right? It wasn't just an audience of millennials and it wasn't just an audience of baby boom boomers or ex-geners. We could really bring information to a broad audience of business owners. And that's where Bridge the Gap came from. And I still have the notebook. Colton and I, I think we wrote down at least three pages worth of names before we came up with Bridge the Gap, but it makes sense. And uh, we've been, we're our third season. Colton, we've done 65 episodes, I think. Is that? I believe, I believe that's that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's a lot of episodes. That's great, guys. <laughs> we had a lot of fun doing it too. I, I should have I should have known the number of mine, my episodes, so, so I could have pointed them back to it, but it's in there somewhere. Uh, it, it was a good, it was a good time. All I remember is Colton asked some weird questions at the end, but I think that's all part of the uh, bridge the gap theme to torture the uh, the guest on there about something. But it was, it was, it was a good time. I, I really enjoyed it. I think you guys do a great job on your podcast. I like, I like that perspective, uh, Trisha, that you're talking about with the, because it's just so natural for people to you know, gravitate towards people they're this, you know, similar to. And generation is a big part of that. And, and, and you could see it, you know, sometimes when you get a whole group of different generations together, and they sort of like gravitate towards each other, they just have more in common, you know, that, you know, it's going to make sense that, you know, there's some sort of bond there. And it certainly transitions in how people do business, uh, who you do business with. And then of course, you know, my main interest is, you know, the workforce and how, People try to collaborate together, teamwork together, manage different generations, be managed by a different generation. So um, it's it's great. I, I love the whole idea. I mean, okay, let's break it down. Let's talk about the different generations, though. So I um I think the breakdowns like this. You guys tell me if I have this wrong, but I think it's they call them the traditionals or the silent generation, which is around 1925 to 1945. Then the baby boomers, uh, which is which is my parents, and they they, 
you know, they remind me of that quite frequently that um, their generation went through so much, the baby boomers, you know, and then uh, they're, I think, 1946 to like around 1964. Is that about right? Is that what you guys understand? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I think a, you know, I think they change the rules all the time. Yeah, there's there's always <laughs> there's conflicting da- there's conflicting years yeah. like wherever you look. So there's just a yeah. general, you know, we just you just kind of assume. <laughs> I'm on the edge. I think that's about right. I know um uh, my parents were, you know, uh were born 1950, uh, I think or one 1950 1951. So they were they were right there at the beginning I think of the baby boomers. But then the, yeah. and then there's the generation X that goes into and this is such a chunk of one, right? They have it like where I was reading about it, like the 1965, 1980. And I'm right there on the edge at 79. So I'm like tootling in between the uh, the generation X into the millennials. I think some articles will put me into the, I don't know how I'll end up in the millennials or the, you know, I'm like, how did that happen? I was generation X my whole life, I understood. But, um, and I don't know, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I think because millennials get it such a bad rap, nobody wanted to be in that group. But <laughs> sorry, Colton, but <laughs> it's true. And then, and then, then of course, the millennials, you know, coming in around 1981 to 1994. And then I think they call it, is it generation Y and millennials or, um, I kind of usually see that mixed together. Yeah. So what what Colton and I have discovered is that like the the Y gens disappeared. They got absorbed into <laughs> into somewhere. We're just not sure where. <laughs> I think part of the Ys came into X Gen, and then part of them went into Millennial. I think it was just such a small group of people, and that they just decided to call them Millennials, right? Millennial X is that what you call them? Yeah, Millennial X. Oh. Well, that's yeah the ones that are between <laughs> somewhere in between. Uh, and by the way, Trisha B, that is uh, being trademarked. So, uh, <laughs> like, you know how to trademark something, Colton. Well, I know an attorney, a good one, Trisha B. I mean, come on, employment <laughs> law trademark that doesn't really. Okay, never mind. I got to talk to Okay, else. and then there's this Generation Z <laughs> comes in later that you got this 1995 to yeah. 2012, and then whatever my kids will be, but they're not in the workforce yet, so they haven't really been mm. worried as much about them. But I mean. As far as like the different generations, I mean, what's your experience in your generation as far as like growing up, you know, how do you think your generation's different than other generations, guys? What do you think? I'm going to throw it at you, Colton. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, no problem. So uh, yes, millennials, you hear a lot of negative things about millennials. Uh, There's no doubt about that. So the one thing that a lot of people um, kind of don't give millennials credit for is technology. Millennials have adapted so much to the use of technology and just being able to use it in the workforce or the workplace. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, granted, there there's a balance there because also millennials tend to be on social media all the time, do all this other stuff, and really all their time is surrounded by technology. Um, you know, there's a lot of jokes that millennials are living out of their parents' basements. So there, there's so much negativity around the idea of millennials, but there really is some um, very important things that the generation is known for. Again, technology. Now, I will say what's very interesting to me, and, I, and I've always just thought this was so crazy how this happened, you know, going down the list, and, I, and I'm kind of getting outside of millennials, but I feel like every generation as we continue to progress are becoming more and more not only entitled, but they're not wanting to work as hard, which is pretty interesting to me. Now, with that being said, Gen Z is actually proven to actually be hard workers, which it's just strange, like how these these generations work and how people are defined by their generation. Because 
whenever I tell people that, you know, I'm a millennial, if, if that ever comes up, you know, I, the first thing I do is automatically make fun of millennials just so they know that, okay, <laughs> he, he, he understands the stereotype, right? Because it is kind of a hard stereotype to break, but I also try to point to the positive things like, Hey, I also know how to be more efficient with my time due to technology. And so, you know, it is what it is. Nice. I nice. I like how <laughs> twist that in there. All right, Trisha, ask, go for it. Okay. Yeah. So for me, really, so I have a son who's the same age as Colton. It's, it's, if you've listened to our podcast, it's no secret. I'm not really that old, but I have a son that's the same <laughs> age as Colton. And, you know, as I, as as I, we were raising him and he started to enter the workforce, we started to think, gosh, did we raise our child right? You know, because he did, um, he seemed, I'll call it privileged, right? He wanted things faster. He wanted things now. He didn't want to work as hard for him, or at least that was seemingly to us, right? That that was his attitude. And what I found now that he's grown um, and off on his own and off the payroll, uh, for uh, several years now. And I've entered into a different kind of workforce working with other business owners is that millennials have an extremely high work ethic. And I think that's missed a lot in, especially by X Jenners, baby boomers, um, and potentially the silent generation, although they're not necessarily in the workforce anymore. Um, watching their work ethic and seeing the kinds of things that they do uh, in in the workspace is amazing. And I think where we all went wrong looking at millennials is we think that they're lazy because they want to stay home. They want to sit on their behinds, right, and play video games, or at least that's the way it appears to us. But if you look at it in, from their perspective, most of them grew up with parents like me and my husband who worked 60, 70, 80 hours a week so that we could provide for our families. So all we did was spend time away from home at work. And that's what our kids saw. So in turn, our children are trying to make better use of their time working from home, using technology and being smarter, right? Working smarter, not harder. And that's, that's where I see it. Um, coming from, you know, where, where I, I was in the military. So I have a big cross section of people that I worked with and then I worked in corporate America. So I've, I've seen it all. I've thought it all, <laughs> but what I realized is that the younger generations really do take into considerations the way their parents worked. And that's my perspective on it. And the other big piece of that Trisha, before we talk about Gen X is that, and I actually, I think we've had this conversation before is that millennials, they tend to be more focused, not necessarily on making the most money, which, you know, people do, but they're also doing it for a cause for they're very charitable with their time or what it may be. So I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, whether it be, you know, climate change, um, you know, doing their part, being very, uh, what, what's the word? I mean, uh, hip or woke, right? Whatever, whatever term you want to use. Uh, but no, it's crazy how the mindset is they do want to kind of give back in a way. Um, again, it might not necessarily be financially because they might not have the funds to give financially, but they do it you know, with their actions and just by giving their time. So I, I always thought that was a little interesting as well. Yeah, It's about the purpose, right? There's yeah. a purpose behind everything that they do. And I think that's super important. <laughs> woke. All right. Millennial. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Colton talks to us like he's like, so I don't know if you guys know this word woke, but uh, that's a thing. 
<laughs> it's uh, how you would say lit fam, right? Is oh, jeez. I don't even, no. like, I did pull up at some point when all this started, these different iterations, and I was like, remember, pull up the Urban Dictionary. I was like, what exactly is the, the, the words being used by these millennials? <laughs> And then, the, and then I was like, oh, that's what that means. And I did discover, uh, you know, some of these words, Colton. Yes. So don't worry. I'm in, a, I'm in on it now. Like, uh, Good, because I'm not. So <laughs> <laughs> just, just shut it. We know you are. But I think that's interesting because the, um, for me, you know, I grew up in the, you know, I was a kid in the 80s. So I wasn't a teenager in the 80s. I was, you know, straight up kid. Like, I don't remember the 70s. Like, it was May 79. So like. I went straight into the 80s for my entire childhood. So for me, Back to the Future, uh, you know, was a big deal. You know, uh, 80s hair bands, you know, uh, jellies that you wore, like all, you know, all this stuff. I mean, we we had that. If you talk about just phones in general, the cordless phone was cool, like to have. I mean, it was just like exciting, like to get your first phone in your room. That was your phone. You know what I mean? Um, but you still shared a line with everyone, but it's a little different than I've had conversations with other generations and they're talking about like this party line, which I had never heard of. Do you know what that is, Trisha? Yeah. So yes. I never used one, but it's funny because I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day and he was telling me that his sister uh, had, they had a party line in the house and this girl would always get on the phone. It was like this whole community of people had one line and they had to kick the girl off the phone. <laughs> She wouldn't stay off because everyone else in the community needed to use the telephone. Yeah. Yeah. So I know what a party line is, but I'm not old enough to actually have used one. See, I'm well, just trying to figure out what, do you know what it is? Jelly, I'm just trying to figure out what jellies are. I'm, oh I'm my God. To... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so needless to say, like, I think, you know, uh, you know, my generation, at least that grew up when we were teenagers in the nineties, we're very into the, like the, you know, it was sort of like, the dark period and like, you know, everyone was so dramatic. And uh, if you go back and watch like 90210 episodes back then, I'm Colton, I'm sure you haven't seen them, but I, do know right, what it is. I mean, the, the, you, there would be like a, three episodes around a PSA of, you know, you know, whatever they've decided to PSA at some point. Like <laughs> it was pretty like, whoa. Um, and then you kind of, you know, I think that when, you know, you know, my generation is kind of like mostly, a lot of their parents were baby boomers. And so, you know, and then those parents, so your grandparents are, you know, this silent generation, these traditionals. So you're dealing with like, like already pretty like defined work ethics and ideas of how to work, what work is. And, and so, you know, I think, you know, Generation X kind of got squished in between there and the millennials, right? Because when you look at the numbers, Generation X is not big. Um, the baby boomers are big. Uh, Generation X has got a squished in that sandwich. And then we got this like massive amount of, of people in, in the millennial generation that is basically going to, if not already, has overtaken the baby boomers in the workforce. And um, and I, I kind of think they're going to win. Like their whole work-life balance thing, it, first of all, it doesn't sound bad. And once you kind of get used to it, you're like, you know, it sounds great. Except when you're managing a bunch of them, you're trying to figure out, are they really working? Are they not working? It's this like a... Um, do they have good work ethic? How does that all kind of work out and play in? And I, I think that that's kind of where it gets lost. I certainly like the, you know, philanthropic like ideas that you're talking about, Colton, that they have um, from the millennial generation and get the, the bad rap that they may get for that. But I think that the whole idea that, you know, Trisha S was talking about where you work 
harder, you know what I mean? In a shorter amount of time. So you actually put out good product rather than, Hey, I work nine to five. And I just kind of, you know, um, go that time period. And I sort of just sort of, um, check in, but not really like focus on getting great product and work out. And I think that is a little different than generations. I, you guys bring up some good points. I think one thing that Trisha us talked about, which I, you know, I kind of see this as a major issue when people are trying to communicate across these generations is I think you could kind of take it as like several different viewpoints. The first viewpoint would be, you know, not to really recognize that there's any differences in the generations at all, which I think is a huge, huge mistake, but it happens. It still happens that people are just like, you know, whatever, you know, you should be like my generation. And, you know, this is how we always did it. And I walked 15 miles in the snow and uh, with no shoes, with <laughs> uphill with no shoes on. So, you know, whatever it is, those stories were like, you know, and, and not really go, okay, these are different circumstances and, and these are different generational experiences. And, I mean, I'll have to admit to my kids, you know, they're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm going to be like, we didn't have any internet when I was a teenager. Like that was not a thing. Like we barely got it in college. And it was like those old Macs that were colored and you didn't own really one. Usually you went to the computer lab mm -hmm. if you weren't lucky enough to even go to college. You know what I mean? So, um, I mean, I'll very, never, very, go ahead. I'll never forget. I was a sophomore in high school when the first iPhone came out. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> It was the coolest thing ever to a lot of people called. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, uh, I don't know, 20 something when the first cell phone came out, Colton. I'm just saying, I'm kidding. Well, all right. Okay. So Trisha B, you're, you're uh, uh, quite a bit younger than me. Well, not quite a bit, but you're younger than me. Do you remember like the original car phones? They were... So I don't, I don't, I, we could, I heard about them. We couldn't afford one. Like yeah. we didn't have any money on, for something mm. like that. No, um, my husband told me his best friend had one. He's described it to me and I've Googled it, but no, I never <laughs> even got to see one in the eighties. I think the first time I saw a car phone was maybe when I watched big with Tom Hanks and he was in the limo and he had the phone. Like, I think yeah. that's the first time I remember seeing a phone in a car. Like I was like, <laughs> Oh, cool. Like that's a, Wow, that's like a rich dude, right? Like the <laughs> phone in the car, like. But I mean, if you don't recognize the generational differences, I mean, then you have this whole problem where they recognize the difference, but then they feel like it shouldn't affect the work. Like you should mm -hmm. be like, you should still be doing the work the way that we've always done the work. Then you've got the, maybe they absolutely recognize it, right? But they don't know what to do with it. They're like, yeah. okay, so now we're different. I recognize that you're different, Colton. I recognize that you're a millennial. Um, mm -hmm. and and you know, some people with that feeling, they don't want to they don't want to hire those different generations because maybe they're a little like nervous about mm -hmm. even even a younger generation in management wanting to hire not wanting to hire older workers because they're like, I don't know, is he really going to get like how we you know handle social media? Is is this person or she is she are they going to really be able to keep up with the times and not giving those opportunities, you know, which for me leads to discrimination or other issues with age differences. But mm -hmm. I mean, I, and then of course there's the, the place where you want to be, I think in, in team management or in business is where you recognize the differences and you're actively trying to figure out like, mm -hmm. how do I work this out? I remember the first time I ever heard someone talk about generational stuff. It was like, it must've been maybe five or 10 years ago, maybe. Uh, and this person was giving a speech at a business function I was at. And I was like, I, I didn't even come for the topic. You know, I was like there to network, right? And this person's like going on and on about the generation. And I'm sitting there listening and de describing a millennial, right? And there's a lot of people nodding in the head because they're going, yeah, you know how they don't like to, you know, they, they just want to show up and get a lot of like praise. 
Yeah, that's how people feel about millennials, right? And all these managers are in the audience, like nodding their head. And he goes, but they're really not. And then he started in on the philanthropic kind of thing and their work-life balance and how with the baby boomers, it, if you weren't at work, physically at work, you weren't working. So like this whole idea of virtual work was crazy, right? Yeah. And um, and then I was sitting there going, oh my gosh, that's why my sister does what she does because she's totally millennial. And the whole time I thought, you know, she didn't... Um, she just did things weird, but it really wasn't. It's like a whole generation of weird yeah. that I had never really thought through. And now I actively try yeah. to understand other generations. But what about you guys have, I mean, Trisha, you kind of said that a little bit that you had originally with your son thought that. Yeah. And it, you know, it was definitely something hard to get used to. You look at him and you're like, uh, lazy video games, not really getting anything done. How'd you really get a job? Right. I uh, hope my son never listens to this. Church should be. <laughs> He's going to say, Mom, really? Um, but you, you really have to understand what's behind that. Right. And the way the way I see him see us and all of the hours that we put in at work mm -hmm. and how we did everything that we could to provide for him mm -hmm. so that he could be in that space so that he could find the uh, work-life balance, if you want to call it that. I know that's not even kind of a term that we want to use these days, but I, I did have a mind shift. Mm -hmm. And when you look at what's going on, you know, in the workplace today or the workforce, and Trisha B, I'm going to throw this back at you, 2020 changed a lot of things. It changed the way we think about remote working. It changed the way we manage our remote teams because we had to, right? It wasn't a want to or even a need to, it was we had to. Yeah. And what does that look like, right? And so we had to automatically trust the younger generations yeah. to go home yeah. and work and not be in, in the office space. So I think that's something that 2020 really made a lot of people that aren't, weren't already on, mm -hmm. you know, the side of the millennials or didn't understand the generational mm -hmm. gap. I think 2020 pushed a lot of people in the direction of, you got to go learn it. Yeah. You can't, you can't disengage from people that don't understand you. You have to learn to communicate. And millennials honestly didn't even skip a beat in 2020. You know, they were the ones that were actually teaching the older generations how to how to communicate and how to work uh, remotely, which I think is interesting. And so, with everything going on, and, and Trisha, this Trisha B, this kind of relates with what you do. Um, you know, I think that the going forward, this virtual environment, even after COVID, after every, I mean, I think this is going to be a normal. Uh, it's going to be normal because you're going to have people who you're going to have uh, managers and owners who are saying, man, I'm saving so much money. I'm not having to worry about paying for all this office space. They're working from home. They're getting their stuff done. I, I think it's totally going to change the way that, that some businesses um, approach working. And I, I think it's pretty exciting because again, millennials are in the forefront of that. Um, so one thing that I want to kind of go back and talk about what I always thought was interesting with our podcast uh, there's, you know, I, I always, you already alluded to it. I always give a goofy question, ask something totally random that just comes to my mind, which is kind of dangerous because I don't really vet it with Trisha. I just say it. So you know how <laughs> bad that could potentially be. Um, but the question, the two questions after that are, you know, if you're comfortable sharing, what generation are you in? You know, okay. Uh, what generation do you identify with? And what's so interesting is nine times out of 10, everyone identifies with their generation. They fit that kind of, you know, the label that's been placed on them. So I would say that's kind of fascinating that people just are comfortable being in their generation. They don't really break the mold. Now, granted, you have the few that say, oh, I, every generation, I could talk to everybody. Well, you might be able to communicate with everybody, but 
you still have a certain way that you do things that puts you in a certain generation. So I always thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, I think that is interesting. The um, that I forgot about those. Those were good questions on <laughs> 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 your podcast. The, yeah, everyone should go check out the, their podcast for sure because they're there's a lot of um, value in there and the different people that you do talk to in the different generations. I think, you know, I think communication has, is, is always going to be um, a challenge with the generations. And I think that may phase out, you know, um, but there's always going to be work where there's, you know, you can't have a virtual setting. So you're going to have, you know, or at least uh, I, I see that in, in the industries that I um, interact with, you know, I have some that were very easy not easy, but they worked it through to get some virtual options here. And then some, you know, they just can't do the work very easily, you know, mm -hmm. especially labor jobs and stuff aren't going to be virtual really. So um, there's a strong connection with a face-to-face -face interaction. I think that nobody will deny, but I think the embracing of the virtual is going to be something that is going to be a value that you can't even place um, uh, a number on. I think people will seek out management that has um, managed a virtual workforce. They will seek out anybody here from 2020 that transitioned um, a, a virtual workforce from a regular workforce to a virtual workforce. I think that those are all gonna be, like you said, um, valuable things. I think that the different, I, I mean, I saw different generations do it. I definitely think the, the millennials probably, it was no big deal to move right into it. Um, I feel like my kids doing virtual school, that was like no problem. They were like telling grandma like how to work the iPad and like no time for grandma. But like uh, it was just, you know, and I, I could tell she just puts her head down, like just turns to the five-year-old and is like, yeah. uh, so do you remember how to get back to that one part of the class? And the kid does it in like two seconds. Like these generations are going to, you know, show us up in time for sure. But the, I think if you, if you look at the interaction piece, Colton, I kind of want to hear from you on this too. And, the, and then of course, Trisha asked the, the face-to-face -face interaction in the older generations, they, 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 they cannot leave it behind. It is something that they will seek out and until, <laughs> until they're no longer in the workforce. Yeah. I mean, you go to the silent generation, like the, you know, my, my grandparents, um, you know, they, they've learned how he, my grandmother's learned how to, she's 93. She's learned how to use FaceTime because we're far away from each other, but it's certainly probably not something she would choose. And it's not something she seeks. Right. Um, and she feels different about it. And I think the baby boomers are probably there. I think the Gen X are probably, they kind of could, you know, I think that some are one way and some are the other. Um, what do you think though? Yeah. So what you just said, I mean, I really think you have baby boomers and you have millennials and then the Gen Xers are going to side to one side. Right. So for me being a millennial, you know, I'm kind of, I guess I'm old fashioned. I, I you know, if I'm meeting with a prospect or if I'm meeting with the client, yeah, is it convenient to jump on a Zoom call? Absolutely. But my personality is the type where, you know, I'm a goofball, right? But I mean, I, I also can get down to business and I really like the relationship side of my my business. Sitting down face to face, hey, how are the kids? You know, how how's the new job? I know you're furloughed. Let's talk, you know, all, all this different stuff. Like that's an awesome opportunity that I have. Um, and it's just totally different to be sitting with somebody, looking at their body language, looking at them laugh. Like it, it it's just totally different. And I personally love getting together um, with individuals face to face versus the virtual um, side of things, but it is easier. And I mean, I have done it obviously because people don't want to meet in person, but uh, yeah. So I guess I'm kind of different because I bet if you ask a lot of millennials, they're going to say the opposite. Um, so yeah, sorry if I didn't answer the way that you wanted me no, to. No, I was just curious. Do you prefer, <laughs> do, but do you prefer text over email? 
Do you like the texting aspect? Oh my aspect? gosh, I like texting over talking on the phone. I mean, <laughs> that that is just the it's so simple. If it's not something I need like an immediate answer to, I can just send out a text. It's going to come back to me faster than an email. Um, because man, yeah, texting is amazing, especially now that you don't have to push like one three times to get a C. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's simple. You never don't had to do that, Cole. Don't pretend like, like you had to oh do my, that, Cole. Okay, and when I was a freshman, before I got the iPhone, I had my little phone. I put it in my pocket. I had all the numbers memorized, so I can just text in my pocket. I remember that. Oh my gosh, it was the best thing ever. You can't really do that with an iPhone. So yes, I'm not that young, guys. Come on, I have facial hair. <laughs> Oh, you know, flip phones are coming back in, Colton. You can always go back to that. I still, that people retro. still want those. People still want those sidekick things that flip sideways. You know, yeah. like those are still hot. Oh, man. Uh, all right. So I already forgot the question. What were we talking about? <laughs> we were yeah, talking about different happens. communication styles. I think that it's hard for some generations. Like I think even when 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 the workforce went virtual, there were some managers and there are still managers, I think, that struggle going, are you really working? Because you're not here and I can't see yeah. you. And I've managed, a, a if you've managed an in-person workforce for 20 years and all of a sudden they're virtual, mm -hmm. that is scary. Okay. Because yeah. you really, especially if you're a higher up manager and you're managing multiple levels, right? Mm -hmm. And you're not used to not being able to just see what the heck they're doing. You know, what if, what if it turns out, you know, because it's a reflection on you, right, to the higher ups of, of, or if it's your business even, you know, yeah. if you can't see them. And as we were talking through that, uh, while Colton was saying his part, I was thinking about, you know, I've been through this before. So I worked for a, a global technology company uh, after I got out of the military for almost 10 years. And that global company decided to send everybody to work from home. This would have been in the late 90s, early 2000s. It was a disaster, a disaster. People didn't know how to work from home. We didn't have the technology to work from home. No one, and we weren't using video. Everyone was using the telephone, right? And you couldn't hold people accountable. And it was a horrible disaster. They brought everybody back to the office. So they had initially thought it would cost less money, cost less money, right? If we send everybody to work from home, it was horrible. So I've been through it. Right. And then if anyone in my generation has ever been through it, they didn't want to go through it again. Like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can manage people from home. It didn't work last time. Why would it work this time? So, yes, you're right. There's this big hole inside of you, especially as a senior manager, wondering, can I be successful at remote management of these people because they've been through it before? Or I watched someone else go through it before and it didn't work. So how is it going to work this time? Um, and again, circling back around to it wasn't a want to or need to. It was a had to. Right. We had to adjust and figure out how we were going to manage at least partially our workforces. Um, some people had to stay, you know, our labor laborers had to stay in person, but there were a lot of adjustments that had to be made. Right. Maybe you're not having your normal team huddle every day. Maybe they're not coming into the office every single morning like they used to. So we're still having to make those adjustments. And it is. It's absolutely scary, uh, especially for the Gen Xers. Right. Um, and and the baby boomers, because they were right on the cusp of we tried that once. Yeah. And looking looking at that, too, I mean, from a millennial point of view, whenever you're working from home, when you say, hey, you work from nine to five, 
they're wasting time in between. So like, I don't even really know what am I supposed to do? If you told them, Hey, Trisha, I need this done by this date, or I need you to do this today. And that's, that's basically how you're monitoring, managing them. They're going to get it done. And it's not going to be between nine and five. They're probably going to wake up at 11 and they're probably gonna get it done at like 9 PM. Right. Cause that's just, they, they don't, they're not, we're not traditional. Right. We, I mean, granted I'm kind of different because I have my own business, but people who are actually working for somebody, I mean, they don't necessarily want to be told what they have. They want to be told what they need to do. When's the deadline? They're going to get it done. That's your management style, right? That That's the kind of mindset. But granted, like you said, with labor and other businesses, it doesn't really work like that. But that that's what I'm seeing from a lot of millennials. Yeah, I um, I think along with the communication issue that we see, I also, I also hear a lot about um, the difference in like you just what you kind of talked about Colton with recognition um, and how it, is it, um, are you going to be recognized because you showed up and you know, you're there, you showed up, right? Like you get points for that in the older generations. They're like, this guy's there when, I mean, every day I come in, he's there at nine when I come in, like he's, or he's there at seven or whatever, or he's 10 minutes early to every meeting. I mean, that guy gets a lot of points and you're telling me like, you're like, that's that you ain't getting any points here over the, this other generation. But, but then, but then you hear these, you know, these stories where the, the, the millennials, you know, come in the entry level and they're like, well, okay, who's going to mentor me? Where is my path to upward? Um, who's going to tell me how awesome I am at this job? Like, and everyone's going, who is this person? <laughs> like, what are they doing in here? Especially if the, you bring them in to uh, say you haven't had a large um, younger workforce, all of a sudden, you know, you bring them in and these other generations are like, you know, why is that guy leaving at 4.30 or 4 o'clock? You know, we all work here till 5, 5.30, like, and that shows the boss we mean business. Like, I mean, it's this whole idea of praise is different. And I think that's kind of tricky to figure out. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, it's absolutely tricky. Uh, not only is it generational, but it's also based on your behavior styles, right? Because there are some of us, like, Colton and I, who share a behavior style where we like that praise, right? We want somebody to pat us on the back and say, hey, you did a good job. And then there are other people, it doesn't matter what generation they come from, that, you know, they finish the job and that's good enough praise for them, right? So I think there's, two, it's twofold. You've got to deal with their behavior styles or their communication styles as an individual, mm -hmm. as well as what generation do they identify with? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as, as someone who came from, you go to work at nine o'clock and you don't leave before five o'clock, I'm looking for the praise for being at work, right? I'm also looking for the praise of finishing that project. Right. So I think you have to take multiple things into consideration to figure out how are you going to communicate with that person? How are you going to best uh, take care of them as your employee? And how do you praise them? Do you praise them out loud in front of everybody? Not everyone likes that, right? So you really have to take the individual into consideration as well as what generation they identify with. And that, that's so true. I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, I'm, I don't think I'm that egotistical, but I mean, <laughs> having, I mean, whenever someone's, I mean, I'm willing to walk into a room and if someone's, if someone gives me the praise and like they just words of affirmation, right. I, I'm going to be loyal to that because I'm like, wow, that, that, that's awesome. It makes me feel good. They understand what I'm doing. I'm making a difference for this person. Right. And, and the pay might be different. Whereas, you know, the older generation, like you said, they're more of, I'm showing you with my actions. So I'm staying here to show you boss that, Hey, I'm, you know, da, da, da. whereas someone like me, if someone's, if someone told me, Colton, you're doing a fantastic job, Thank you for the way you manage my portfolio or if someone else, whatever it may be, that just makes me feel so good. 
Um, but as far as I think Trisha nailed it on the head, especially with kind of what, what you do, Trisha, be with employment law, employers have to know how, what the makeup of millennials and all these different generations are because you cannot reward everybody the same way, right? Someone who might, I'm not saying that, you know, I wouldn't take a bonus over words of affirmation, but <laughs> just knowing exactly how to treat people, maybe even like a little gift that doesn't cost anything will go a long way with someone else versus saying kind words to someone, right? It's just really interesting. Those, those love languages, not that your employer doesn't love the employee or anything, but I'm saying like, that's so important. And to understand that and to really be able to break that down and to really know exactly what makes each person tick, that will take you a long way, especially if you're trying to master the generations. No, I like that a lot. This is all good. Uh, so is there, is there anything that you guys can think of just from your, I know you guys are in two different fields that like, you know, that you've seen and as a generational thing that you are interested in sharing. So I don't want to make it, I'm trying not to make it specific about really my industry, but what I've noticed fairly quickly is um, the biggest thing for the older generations are experience. Okay. So if I sit down with a, with a client or a prospect and I'm going through stuff, if I don't bring, and again, if they're baby boomer or close to baby boomer, higher up in the Gen X um, uh, generation, if I don't immediately address my age, they're going to say something because usually, even if, even if I have nine years of experience in this industry, because I mean, that's why I have facial hair, right? To look older because, <laughs> because they just see me as young, they're going to automatically think, well, this guy has no experience. He doesn't know what he's doing. And that is a hard hurdle to get over. However, I have been able to do that because, you know, I do have mentors in the industry that um, I tell them, Hey, listen, before we do anything, I'm going to run this over by, you know, this mentor and we're going to make sure that we're setting you up. I just want to have a more experienced pair of eyes looking at this. So I figured out ways to adjust, but people respect that. And it's really interesting because when I have the younger generation come in here, because you know, my, my box that says certified financial fiduciary, I have to go through a process before I can actually make a recommendation to make sure it's in the client's best interest. The younger generation is like, okay, just, just invest my money. All right. It's like, they just, they just want to go. And I'm like, okay, well, hang on. You got to understand what I'm doing. So it's just, it's really funny because you're really having to explain and dive in for the older generation. Obviously they, they do have more of the wealth and the younger generation is like, just, just do it. Whatever you think's best, super aggressive, put it all in black. I'm like, okay, hang on. I'm not that guy. So it's just, it's so funny to see that. But yes, for me, I'm really having to make sure that I slow down when I talk when I'm sitting down with people in older generations. And then I can talk like this and be really fast and really explain things with the younger generation. So it's just so funny how you really have to adapt and learn how to address each generation. I mean, just the small things of slowing down your speech makes a world of difference. So it, it, it's all, it's been so interesting because I literally go 90 to nothing when I'm talking and I get excited and passionate about what I do. So it's it just little things like that. And I hope uh, I could keep talking about it, but I'm going to give Trisha some time. <laughs> Trisha S. some time. Thanks, Colton. Yeah. And, you know, from my perspective, Trisha B., I mean, you you know where I come from. I talk to all kinds of business owners and all kinds of industries and um, all kinds of ages. Now, I will say most of the business owners that I work with are X Geners or baby boomers. And uh, it really is about getting to know them and their communication style and what, whom, I guess, which generation they identify with the most. And I know I said that before, but it really is about understanding who your clients are. 
right? And I, Colton said that perfectly. It, it, how do they want you to speak to them? What do they need from you? I have business owners just like Colton has clients who just want to know what the bottom line is. So how do I fix it? Right. And we work through that. And then I have others that would rather just talk through it. It's more like talk therapy than anything else. Right. Because they just need someone to share with. And what I find um, from a generational difference with business owners is that when we're talking about baby boomers, they like to hold their failures close inside their vest, meaning they don't like to open up and say, things are not good, right? They would rather just work through those challenges than to talk to someone who can help them in their business uh, because they're proud, right? They're very proud. They've invested everything that they have and they, they want to do it themselves and not let anybody else know that they failed. When you talk about the younger ex-geners or even millennials who are in business, they are absolutely willing to open up the kimono and say, please help me get this right. Right. And so they're a little more open to showing people that maybe they're not doing well. And I hate to say they're failures, but, you know, we all have failures. Right. And they're much more open, the younger generations, to accepting the help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that is well said. I think that I find that, too. I do a lot of education and I do, uh, you know, do get an opportunity uh, when I do get to work with the younger generations uh, um, that are coming into the workforce, they're going to take over basically where my, my poor generation will disappear. But the, uh, um, they, you know, they're open to the education, the idea of not just deciding to get just to the end product. They do want to have an understanding, um, at least, you know, those in the HR and employment law realm or, or business entrepreneurial world, they want to learn, they want to explore. And that's a really exciting piece to get to work with those generations as they sort of grow because, um, you know, there is a lot to learn. And I think all the generations could benefit from learning from each other because there's, you know, lessons that each of those generations have endured. Certainly this generation uh, that's now in the workforce, everyone right now will have now a pandemic under their belt. And so the generations behind us won't know what that was like to go through uh, what everybody has been going through since March and all the changes. So, um, you know, those kind of things are, are things that, of course, there are many generations, you know, before me, that experience stuff that, you know, uh, is beneficial. And I love hearing about those things because there's lessons in all of that. So, I mean, is there any last thoughts you guys think about how businesses could improve the generation sort of gap? If there is, if there is a gap, I I think there is a bit, but yeah. I think a big piece of that is just getting to know your employees. Um, I mean, you don't have to know everything about them, but just know how they like to be rewarded or, you know, just how to communicate just in general. Um, and again, Trisha's Trisha S is very helpful there because, you know, she has the disc, um, that she disc personality that she takes everyone through where you even understand more of how, not just what generation they're in, but Hey, how do they actually tick? What, what do they, how do they act? What is their personalities like? So I think that's a big piece and I think that's extremely important. Yeah. And, you know, using tools like that, whatever the assessment tool is, we, I happen to use DISC and it it really is about learning and understanding not only your own communication style and behavior, but those that you're working with, it could be next to, below you, above you to create better communications with each other, because I may not communicate in the same way that my supervisor communicates. But if I understand how they like to be communicated with, I can dial my own style 
a little up or a little back. And I'm just talking about 1% changes. So I think any kind of assessment inside the organization is huge. The other thing that I think is really, really, really important in these larger organizations is to teach our managers how to be coaches to their employees versus managing. No one, especially the younger people coming into the workforce, they don't want to be supervised. They don't want to be managed, right? And it's not fair to them because if they're if they're skilled and they know their work, then coaching them through to be their best is the best thing that we can do for our workforce. Yeah, I think that's, that's well put. I agree with all of that. I I love the, you know, um, the thought that's given to the fact that the culture is affected. So if Mm -hmm. you're, if your culture is, you know, say Hooters is, uh, you know, the business that you're in, and the majority of your employees, you know, like a restaurant like that is, you know, 18 to 22 year olds, that's a totally different culture than, Mm -hmm. you know, one that has a much more mixed diversity, right? And how do you balance that? And it's not going to be the same formula, like you guys are saying, for everybody, but doing an assessment of what, like, like you said, Colton, who are, who are, is uh, the main pieces, you know, who's in the management too, because the managers could be younger than the workers, which is another, um, is a different, interesting challenge as well. So um, kind of, deciding, I think, from the front end, an assessment of who you're dealing with. And just because they're in a generation, don't put them in a box because you'd be surprised. I mean, like I said, my 93-year-old grandmother, she can FaceTime. She can do all kinds of stuff on that iPhone, which, um, you know, I find, I found fascinating that she just picked it all up. You know, now there's some stuff she's like, I don't know what I did with that picture. I lost it. And you're like, I don't know. She's in New York. I can't go help her with that. But like, you know, someday, then she'll text me like a week later, I found that picture that I told you I lost. And I'm like, great. But you know, it's exciting for her. And she tried to learn it. And she was excited to learn it, you know, so um, I think that that's kind of important to just be careful that you don't go, I'm not going to hire these people, I'm not going to promote these people, because they're in these different, like, sort of generation, you know, uh, boxes. But okay, I loved this discussion. This was good. We probably could go on and on, but um, do you guys want to do the legal skinny rundown with me? Yeah, of Fair course. <laughs> who's who's going to answer first? You don't answer at the same time. Okay, so we'll go. So what if we did every other question? Do we both have that's, to answer? That's dangerous. Let's do sure, every but, other okay. question. All right, Colton, okay. you go first. Perfect. But you're both going to answer each question though, right? No? If you want us to. Oh, okay. yeah, because I want to so know your still, answers. Oh, you do? Okay. Colton, you, go asks, you still have to do it every other. So we'll see how that works out. <laughs> Age before beauty. Oh, uh, goodness. Colton, go ahead. Okay. All right. So, um, all right. Beach or mountains? Oh, mountains all day long. Beach. Elvis or the Beatles? Trisha? Elvis. Beatles. <laughs> wow. The most influential book that you read? The Bible. Oh, Colton. <laughs> I, I was going to let you say it first and then totally crush you by saying that and making you feel horrible, but. Can I pass? I'm just passing. Just pass. <laughs> Next question. Okay. Well, de- dead or alive, what famous person would you invite to dinner? Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, oh, goodness. Um Uh, I did we stump Colton on this I, question? This is not well, a trick question. Well, <laughs> Jesus can turn water into wine, so probably Jesus. Colton, okay, <laughs> we look bad. Okay, finally, and one minute or less. What is the skinny on communicating with different generations? 
Okay, I'll do it. Okay, so basically understanding, studying ahead of time, uh, in my personal opinion, whenever I'm sitting down with a client, I have questions that I ask initially where I kind of know exactly the kind of person that I'm sitting down with. Uh, whether it's a young person or a older generation, as we already discussed in this conversation, you never really know exactly how people um, like to be communicated with, what, how they like to be rewarded or whatever it may be. So it's critical and it's absolutely important that you really understand the person and not just assume they're like everybody else. Everyone's different. Everyone has their own attributes and um, what makes them tick. So make sure you figure that out. And again, don't do it like in a con kind of way. Do it because you genuinely want to build a relationship and get to know the person. Yeah, Colton said it. Uh, it's about building relationships. And Trisha B., you said it earlier, let's not put people in boxes, right? No matter where they're coming from, get to know them, build relationships, understand the way they like to be communicated with, understand your own communications and figure out how you can find common ground in the middle. Because I guarantee you that that person that you're trying to communicate with has something in common with you, whether it's at work or outside of work. So it really is about building those relationships. Awesome. And if someone wants to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for each of you? Uh, so the best way for me um, is to either really calling me is probably the best. Um, and that's 713-876-3767. That's my personal number. Or they can email me, which is C-C-O-C-K-E-R-E-L-L. <laughs> At He's pointing. So if you're listening to this on the audio, you can't see his pointing, but go ahead. Go ahead. Colin. At, at nextfinancial.com. Um, and Trisha Brita, thank you so much for having me on today. And Colton really likes text messaging. I was just going to say, well, I thought okay. I just learned he likes here's, praise and text messages. That's that what we both, can get. Both of those are completely true. However, <laughs> I'm not really allowed to text financial information. So that's not really allowed. That's why I had to say phone call or email. So yeah. I love a rule follower, Colton. This is good for me. Okay. <laughs> we need somebody who follows the rules here. Uh, okay. So first I'm going to give a little plug for our podcast. You can Please find do. us on Facebook at Bridge the Gap Interviews or just Bridge the Gap. If you're just doing a search, you can find all of our podcasts, current and past mm -hmm. there. And uh, for my contact, you can reach me at 281-217-4951 or tstetzel, T-S-T-E-T-Z-E-L at focalpointcoaching.com. And Trisha Burita, thank you so much for having us on. This was so much fun today. Yeah, this was super cool. And, um, and it was, it was, I did learn a lot about both of you too during this. So, uh, very enlightening. And, uh, I can't thank you enough for your insight and your thoughts on this. I think it, um, I really enjoyed the conversation. So thanks for being on here, Trisha and Colton. Yes. And, and in the spirit of being a rule follower, I hope you don't mind that I have to share my disclosure. Is that okay? Trisha <laughs> S is used to it. Is that okay? Just share your disclosure. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Colton Cockrell with Sharon McKinley Group LLC is located at 820 South Friendswood Drive, Suite 207, Friendswood, Texas, 77546, phone number 281 Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., member Fender Civic. Sharon McKinley Group is not affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Thank you. And let's all feel sorry for financial planners because <laughs> they have to say that stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I should have slowed it down, but it's okay. They can. That, that that'll work, Colton. <laughs> All right. And that's the legal skinny on the generation gap. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. 
Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer the employer. Also, disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.